Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Felicia Tang. This week, I am very excited to feature Evita Grishkanis, a Team USA rhythmic gymnast who represented the U.S. at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. Evita was first featured on Athlete Voices in May of 2021, two months before her Olympic debut at the Tokyo Games. She placed 12th in the qualification round and was the second reserve for the all-around final at the Olympics. An amazing accomplishment. While training for the Olympics, Evita was also a freshman at Columbia University. Now entering her third year at Columbia, Evita has continued training and competing whilst a full-time student. Most recently, she won the U.S. National Championships and advanced to the all-around final at the 2022 World Championships. Remarkably accomplished as both a rhythmic gymnast and a student, Evita shares her experience at Tokyo and how she has managed to continue rhythmic gymnastics while studying full-time at Columbia. Everyone, please welcome to the podcast, Evita. Hi, Evita. Hello. Do you hear me? Yes. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm well. And yourself? I'm doing great. Oh, my gosh. The last time we spoke was, I think, May of last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a minute. And, yeah. And so much has happened since then. Uh, You competed at the Olympics. My gosh, mm-hmm. yes. So I would love to hear your experience at Tokyo. And you did amazing. You did amazing there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with Tokyo, and then we'll move into college and Columbia and how you are balancing uh, university full-time with, with training and competing because you're still you're still in the game, you're still representing USA in rhythmic gymnastics. So yeah, you are doing a lot. The same way I do attitude balances. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so let's start with Tokyo. Tell me everything about your experience there. Well, if I do that, we're going to be here for a day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, do you have anything specific you'd like to know? Sure. Um, so tell me about, I guess, because it was happening during COVID, right? Um, mm-hmm. What were some of the the protocols, I guess, behind the scenes that helped keep all the athletes safe? Good question. So um, it was very restricted on the amount of time you could be there um, to begin with. So some people were leaving, for example, on the day of closing ceremonies. They weren't allowed to extend their stay by a few hours to attend closing ceremonies because their time slot was up. So I think it was you had either, I think it was like 28, 48 hours, I don't remember 100%. Um, after your event finished Mm -hmm. um, to basically leave the premises. So normally, you know, some people could stay after, elongate their stay, maybe like explore the area, explore Tokyo, but we weren't allowed to leave the facility or the Mm -hmm. village, basically. Everything was gated, closed. Every morning we had to give a sample, a spit spit test sample for Mm -hmm. COVID testing. They had, um, if you tested positive, little isolation tents you'd go to. Thankfully, no one on our team tested positive, Mm -hmm. so. Mm-hmm. That's good. We didn't have to look into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, you had to wear masks everywhere. Um, there was a lot of... Japan's really cool. I, I always say if there's any country that could have nailed it, it was Japan, and mm-hmm. they didn't nail it. They had um, little hand-washing stations set up, hand sanitizers. They had people, um, lots of volunteers who were, you know, handing out um, gloves for people, like, if in the cafeterias. Um, competition-wise, in the back, we were allowed to train on the carpet, of course, with no mask, and then to transfer from carpets to the main competition hall uh, stage, you know, you put your mask on, you walk mm-hmm. the hallway, and then you take it off, put it in this little, like, um, bin almost, and then when you finished your routine, they would hand you your mask, you'd put your mask on, and then you'd hug your coach, which was definitely annoying because, you know, mm-hmm. you want to see the expressions and emotions and pictures, mm-hmm, so course. I did use a little bit of sign language, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, and I adore you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think that was pretty much the protocol. 
that's great that you know they were so um they took so many precautions to keep you guys safe um and of course it was wonderful that we still had the games especially for um you know athletes who train so hard for this moment right um and was the olympics i guess everything you expected and dreamed it would be just being there competing um walk me through i guess the emotions that went by uh that whole experience well, it's interesting because you don't really i don't know personally it's not like i had some kind of idea or notion set up in my mind of what it was going to be like mm -hmm. especially with covid and everything and i was just relieved that they were happening mm -hmm. um i do think the extra year gave a lot of learning opportunities um, and I do think it altered the performance itself and the way that I handled uh, myself and just the situation. And then um, I guess when I was little, I would always envision, you know, like that like walkout. Um, I remember seeing like back in 2016, I think, like, you know, 12, where you would like take a really long walk by the time you got to the competition stage. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a platform kind of situation. And so I um would envision that so that definitely happened um, mm -hmm. it's interesting that they take away your sweat towel before so we right. were left without a sweat towel for like the moments when you needed the sweat yeah. towel which was really <laughs> annoying <laughs> right um so you see a lot of gymnasts if you like looking carefully um kind of like wiping their hands on themselves on the floor yeah on, like, you know, especially because it was hot in tokyo right and, wow uh, what else was there um uh, yeah, and emotionally, you kind of shut yourself off because mm -hmm. you know that you have a job to do and you have something to prepare for. So you really don't allow yourself to feel very much right? Um, until the very last breath that you take when yes. you've already walked off with your very last routine. So that's when I had that emotional floodgate wow. um, open and like a lot of realization sink in. But I'll be honest, it wasn't until October of that year that I was sitting in my room and I just... I turned on my old hoop music, the dance for me, Wallace, and I just started sobbing. And I was like, wow, I actually did that. I competed at the Olympics. So it took that long uh, to sink in. Wow. You just gave me goosebumps just <laughs> hearing about like the emotions flooding in after the experience. Because during the Olympics, you have to be kind of laser focused, right? Like you said, to do your job. And... And you did your job. I mean, you did amazing, right? You almost made the final. You were so close. Um, Very close. <laughs> yes. You were, you were one spot away from the final, right? Yes. Wow. I think. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not <laughs> <laughs> you need to fact check me? Oh, my goodness. I'll trust you on it. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you deal with nerves? I'm sure it was, there was nerves, right? It was the Olympics. Again, you don't allow yourself to feel um actually at the time i had uh really terrible shin splints that were coming up on a year's worth of pain uh, and it was a miracle that i could jump and it was god given that i could even you know walk because outside it was very difficult for me i know that i would end a lot of my trainings pre-olympics just sitting there crying because they hurt so bad and it's one of those experiences where i would say i wouldn't wish it on anyone but you don't understand that specific kind of pain until you feel it it's more than a cramp it's more than an aching it's more than something like stabbing you it's it's its own little thing and you know you're trying everything to keep them healthy so I was definitely like I had a distraction I guess from the nerves and it was just like control yourself and it was a lot of self-control involved so I think that was like a, a good distraction and also mm -hmm. you know you know the work that you've done um you know your plan you know your strategy going into these things so like that helps absolutely absolutely so in terms of, I guess, favorite experience from the Olympics that was not related to, to competing, um, what would you say were some of the great highlights and memories of your experience at Tokyo? Okay. <laughs> in 2016, um, I very clearly was very far away from even qualifying to the Olympics, <laughs> but you know, you had that dream. Yes. yes I had that course. dream. And I remember I was very distraught after I was very, I was upset. Um, although, you know, most of me knew that <laughs> I didn't really have a chance. Part of me was like, maybe I had that chance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was in the airport and we were going to fly back. I think it was Rhode Island with my mom. And I saw this really cute rhinoceros, which <laughs> is now named Hippo. Don't ask. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, 
And I asked my mom for it, and she said, oh, so, no, I saw it at first. And then we went to the gate, and we were boarding, and I was like, Mom, I can't, like, let go of that hippo. It's just so cute. She was like, go get it. And that was, like, the first time my mom ever was like, yes, go get a stuffed animal. Uh-huh. Instead of being like, it's okay. You don't need it. Like, you know. Right, right. So I bought him. And I bought hippo. And I was sitting there, and he's, he's like, a nice blue color. And I hugged him, and I looked at him, and I said, and I made a promise that I would compete in Tokyo. And so I brought him to Tokyo. And then after I competed, I took him out on a walk and I just sat on a park bench and um, just enjoyed the moment. Thanks God for all of the opportunities and really just reflected. Wow. That was a big moment for me. Um, Another one, of course, closing ceremonies, just seeing Mm -hmm. all the flags. That was another, like, it hit me. Really yeah. hard moment. I'm sorry about the background noise. No problem. No, I saw that video and you were tearing up and emotional at the closing ceremonies and it was so beautiful um, <laughs> that you took us along to witness that because who, who in their life can really say I competed at the Olympics? Like, except for like, you know, 0.5% of the population. It's like, that's amazing. Um, Thank you. And remind me, were there people in the audience? Um, no, no it was people. Very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, see, this this ceremony was very clearly made to be interactive with the audience, and okay. they didn't really change it uh, um, much. And so, like it, like for us who were down there, like that energy was definitely lacking. Hmm. And you know, all of the speeches being given, like it was cool, and it was also a considerably less amount of athletes. For example, for some reason, they didn't allow Team USA coaches to go, hmm. which was really saddening. Yeah. Because um, other coaches were there, and it was just, like, it was very uh, strange, I think. There was, there was like, a, a sense of, it was definitely more calm, I think, and honestly, a little bit maybe even more boredom, and hmm. a lot of people, like, sat down. It was really, really hot, like, yeah. very hot, um, and a lot of people had, like, long sleeve jackets you were supposed to wear. Um hmm. But again, the show was enjoyable. Like there was, you know, it was fun to like walk around, like get to see different countries, take pictures with different medalists. But also, you know, a lot of people were missing, and as I mentioned, people had to fly out on the day of closing ceremonies, which was extra sad. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah, it's you know, again, it's unfortunate that the it it happened the way it did, but at least the Olympics happened, right? And uh, absolutely, I yeah. <laughs> They happen. Right, right. And it was so cool for us here at home in the US to watch you and Laura compete on the TV. And I was I was just screaming and cheering you guys on from my living room. And it was amazing. Um, So proud of you guys. And uh, last question related to the Olympics. Um, Who were some cool athletes from uh, overseas or even in the US that you got to rub shoulders with at Tokyo? Oh, goodness. I'm really bad at names, so I feel like you're putting me on the spot. Oh, my gosh. It's okay. I'm really bad at names. I can tell you what the face is. I can tell you maybe what sport. I got to see, so there were quite a few people who I knew from Pan Ams, Mm -hmm. um, the Pan Am Games, Mm -hmm. who I got to see again from the U.S., which was really fun because it was like, hey! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like, it was, you know, Delaney, it's like, great to see you, Andrew, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I met some awesome track and fielders, uh, uh, again, some people on the fencing team, and it was really cool because at that point I was already accepted into Columbia, so I was yeah. already like doing school, right? So right. I, I think I finished up my first year actually, um, right? Because we did it via Zoom, mm-hmm. and so because uh, of COVID, mm-hmm. and so I there was a few students, former students from Columbia, who I ran into, like Charlotte Buck, um, and then it's funny because I run into her on campus periodically, oh, wow. and one time I, um, you know, I saw her backpack. And I was, oh, no, 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 I saw her shoes. And I was like, hey, nice shoes. So she turns around and goes, oh, thanks. And they're like, the Olympic shoes. And I like, oh, <laughs> and goes, nice backpack. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it was also from the Olympics. That is hilarious. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, some fencers, too, who were at Columbia. Columbia is known for fencing, um, I think, and rowing. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so there's just, like, a lot of people. Um, and then we had the White House meeting after, like, mm. Yeah. Um, which was really fun, but also I got to meet a lot of new people there. I met Kira. She's amazing. She's like a rock climber. Um, oh. And then it was so cool to meet some winter sports there, too, because it was the first time they combined winter and um, summer sports, both para and um, 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, Olympics. And yeah. so it was really cool to, like, actually meet a lot of para-athletes. I think they're, like, complete superhuman Oh, totally. People, so. Totally. Yeah, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So yeah, that's my answer. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you mentioned something about the White House meeting? Yeah, so there was like a, they do this every, after every Olympics, mm-hmm. they invite the Olympians to the White House. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. And so we got to, uh, but this time, because the winter and summer Olympics were so close together, mm-hmm. they brought probably the first and only time this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought both para and olympians um from summer and winter mm-hmm. um together and it was like this massive event it was really cool wow. we got to tour the white house get to have some seminars meet everyone like oh talk, get inspired um and there was a, a like a big gala for us where you know had a little red carpet event which was always fun i love dressing up and yeah, yeah. um i ultimately got to shake um mr president's hand so oh. <laughs> wow yes like, who, who in the world can say that, like, besides f- select few, <laughs> right? <laughs> wow, Avita, you have so many really fascinating singular experiences, and thank you so much for being so open and sharing with us. Um, hey, what's the point of an experience if you can't share it with Right, right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what were some of the lessons you learned from, from the Olympics, your whole experience? Hmm. Let's see. One is like you, you. I mean, one takeaway was like like I, I tried to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look back at it, it feels like a fever dream, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes that doesn't always work right. out the way you want to experience it, but that doesn't take away from your experience. And there's things that I focused on that I tried not to focus on. Um, certain people, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, who at the time like you know, were very valuable to my life, and, um, that, you know, like, those relationships and things like that, mm-hmm. and people, and, and in your life, and then, you know, you try not to make the Olympic experience about them, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that, like, you didn't, you know, call them, try to share in them, like, your experiences with them, and so, like, just recognizing that sometimes, like, it's okay to be selfish and have that mm-hmm. experience for yourself is yeah. important. Absolutely. Um, and I think another one was just, like, the fact that, like, y- like you're not a special snowflake. Like, really, I know I know a lot of people, uh, you know, you've, you've mentioned, like, a very singular experience, which is true to an extent. Mm-hmm. But especially after the White House visit, I talked with a lot of athletes across mm-hmm. many, many disciplines. Um, again, from, from volleyball to para skiing to, you know, para table tennis, like, like a lot. Mm-hmm. And you got to listen to people's stories, you got to hear people's experiences. And ultimately, we all, all of us, make massive sacrifices to get to where we are, whether it be financially, relationship wise, um, you know, academically, etc. Like people put their entire lives on hold Mm -hmm. to do what they love and to represent this country. And like, you start to recognize too, that like, again, you're not a special snowflake. Every single person here, yes, has a unique experience, but I'm not the only one who drives one and a half hours one way to training. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not the only one who, you know, grew up and is still in, a, like, a very low-income family. I, you know, I'm not the only one who's gone through these experiences or, you know, has had issues with food, for example. Like, right, that's mm-hmm. very multidisciplinary, and I didn't even realize it. Right. Um, or, you know, had body, like, you know, image issues. So, like you start to you start to recognize that like you are genuinely not alone like you're never alone even if not everyone talks about their experiences all the time and it was just such a healing of togetherness right no absolutely I agree with everything you said about um how yes you have unique experiences but at the core of it there's a lot of universality to um, your experience is that many people, be it athletes or, or non-athletes, face, you know, and, and I love what you said about you're not alone, um, even though sometimes it can feel that way, um, especially in an individual sport, right, like rhythmic gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that was beautiful. And 
So now I want to transition from after the Olympics. So this was like right before second year started, right? At Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very hectic. <laughs> Very hectic. Wow. Oh my you. gosh. <laughs> yes. Tell me about the transition. And you guys were back in person, right? After the, the Olympics? Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it was my first time in person yeah. in school, but I was starting my second year. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know a lot of people were confused because they were like, wait, what do you mean your second year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, I was in school. I was, I was at you know, university while I was preparing yeah. for the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was a tumultuous time, I'd say, because there was a lot of change going on. So, firstly, you just finished this high of an Olympics, okay? Yeah. Yep. And in a way, you kind of want to, like, you know, be like, hey, guys, I competed at the Olympics. I did this, mm-hmm. you know, like, you're just so excited. And, like, yeah. at the village, like, everyone is actually competing at the Olympics, right? So you have yeah. that, like, nod of recognition. Suddenly you get put into a new environment, and you're like, well, I'm not showing off. I don't want to show off. Absolutely not. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't bring up the fact that I, like, you know, am a gymnast at all mm-hmm. unless someone asks. Like, that's not the, that's not what ultimately defines me mm-hmm. as a person. Um, Although it does have some contributions to mm-hmm. it. But you're just, like on this high of like excited right excited you just want to be like guys i just did this amazing thing i don't know who you are but it was super cool you know yeah and so you have that high and then i had just um ended a relationship Mm -hmm. uh, my very first one which was a massive low it was really hard but it was again it was something i think that was necessary um i prefer not to elaborate on it but it was Mm -hmm. necessary and then I had this other high, which was connected to some uncertainty, which was I'm starting school in person for the first time. Um, and obviously it's a high because, like, I got to move in, I get to learn, mm-hmm. I get to meet new people. Yeah. And at the same time, how in the world am I going to keep training? Right. Am I going to keep training? Right. How do I make it work? How, yeah. And I had some resistance. I guess, or not resistance on purpose, I guess, but, like, mm-hmm. my coach was genuinely very worried. She was like, we need to listen, like, I don't know how you're going to do this, you yeah. know? Um, and I was told some things, especially after the world championships in October that were kind of heartbreaking and, um, you know, kind of steering me to gracefully retire um, on a high, but I knew that I wasn't done. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of hard because a lot of people were telling me, like, how are you going to do it? And I just sat there and I prayed and I said, God, I don't know how, but I know I know it's going to work because you're yeah. there for me. And, um, you know, I felt in my heart that I just need to keep going and make it work. And so that's what I'm doing. Amazing. So how are you doing it? <laughs> With the grace of God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, a lot of that, a lot of planning support, I think is important. Communication um, mm-hmm. between professors and my coach. Communication is critical you know being like hey I will be absent on these days um what can I do to make it more comfortable for you um Mm -hmm. you know uh accepting responsibility to recognizing that like these people also have their own individual lives my coach can't throw away her entire business and life just to accommodate to me training at a certain time Mm -hmm. um because she has other things going on same with professors too like I recognize that I have a unique situation, but, um, you know, they also have to grade my papers. They also have to grade a million other papers. They also need to attend to other students. So Mm -hmm. recognizing that and acknowledging it is really important. Um, And then time management. I mean, right now I'm last semester, I would fly between New York and Chicago um, almost weekly or biweekly. So I would like leave on Sunday, uh, be at school basically Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, um, fly out either Tuesday or early Wednesday, train Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe a little in the morning on Sunday on my own, and then come back. And uh, you make it work. That's, that's wow. the only option. Wow. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And I say this from just as someone who went to um, graduated from UCLA in 2019, and it, I just think back to my college experience and I cannot imagine doing what you're doing on top of academics because academics was like my main my main thing and I couldn't imagine committing to something um that seriously you know um to the point where you're flying how how long is the flight by the way from New York to Chicago it's only like two two and a half hours depending on like when 
Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I basically get on a, the Columbia is very convenient in that, uh-huh. like, it has the subway and, like, a bus station literally right in front of my dorm slash campus, because oh, okay. I live on campus almost, mm-hmm. or, like, across from it. So you just get on, drive, you know, 45 minutes, 10 hour, depending on traffic, to the airport. I nailed it down to the point where I would, you know, arrive, like, maybe 30 minutes before I had to board, mm-hmm. um, go through, because I have TSA pretext, so I'd go really quickly, like, five minutes through the line, be ready to go. Um, I did get snowed out a few times oh, last year. The whole no. time. Like, I, was like, I was like halfway to the airport and then they're like, canceled your flight. So I got no. off and they were like, here's your new flight. So I got another, you know, bus and they were like, just kidding. And I was like, oh hey. my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but where was I? But yeah, it's like very uh-huh. convenient. And also like, again, I'm used to long commutes. Like I drive personally an hour and a half now, especially with the construction mm-hmm. one way to the gym and then back. So for me, that time, um, even though maybe it's a little bit longer, like it kind of replaces the time that I would spend driving mm-hmm. anyway. Um, you know, I do like a three hour round trip commute. Like that's, that's right. a lot. Yeah. Um, and then since I'm not driving, right, I'm simply sitting there. I can mm-hmm. use that time for something, whether it's to take a nap, mm-hmm. read, write, journal, relax, do schoolwork. Mm-hmm. It's time that's there. So right. I don't see it as being anything <laughs> too extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and speaking of downtime, right, taking naps, um, decompressing, how do you find uh, time amongst all your commitments to unwind? I think I listen to my body, or I try to. So, like, if I'm, like, working on something and it's just, like, I don't see words or hear words anymore, it's like, okay, it's time for a break. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's no point of pushing through. Um, I try to prioritize sleep. I'm really bad at sleeping. Like, ask anyone. <laughs> I, like, am very bad at sleeping in that I will wake up at 6, 6.30. doesn't matter. Like, I could have gone to bed at, like, midnight. It doesn't matter. My body will wake me up. Wow. Um, Or, you know, I try to go to bed around, like, 10, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, like... I just sleep and I are like, I take a nap like 20 minutes later. I'm like up and going because I just cannot sit still. (laughs) So much energy. Wow. (laughs) So uh, I don't know if it's responsibility or something, but yeah, like you try to sleep. And then I I, I like journaling as I might have mentioned last time. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but I have a journal where I got three things that made me happy every day. I'm on my seventh year already. Wow. Um, which is really cool and fun to look back at. But yeah, I like to, you know, journal, pray, um, always, you know, dedicate time to God which I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also like a time where it's like you recognize like, yeah, I need to dedicate this time. But it's also a time to like sit and reflect and, you know, build a relationship with him. And I think that that's also a moment to like calm. Right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and just to stay grounded amidst like everything happening um, is super important, I think, to prioritize, like you said, your body um, as well as your mental health because they're both both are related right um Mm -hmm. so talking about going more into columbia your experience there um so you're entering your third year now right yes okay has it started officially yes yes oh when i was in bulgaria oh awesome awesome you guys are on Mm -hmm. semester right or quarter we're semesters semester got it got it um so do you know what you're majoring in did you declare? I'm majoring in psychology. Yes, I did. I declared uh, last year. Amazing. I majored in psychology. It's Wonderful. fascinating. Yeah. It's amazing. See, I think psychology is what you make of it. You can either take a very, quote, quote, simple route, mm-hmm. um, perhaps even easy, where, like, you just take class there, maybe, like, borderline necessarily uh, necessary and that's it but then obviously mm-hmm. not only does that not look great on your transcript but mm-hmm. it also doesn't give you I think very many options for the future right right um I am particularly interested in um like the neurological connections to psychology so for mm-hmm. example this semester I'm in fundamentals of human brain imaging I'm in parental brain social neuroscience mm-hmm. um I have two other classes but they're part of our core um, and then, like, I've taken special topics in vision, so I went very heavy on the neuroscience stuff. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of my professors keeps trying to convince me to switch, but I don't want to do bio. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, because psychology, yeah, so there's... Uh-huh. It's what you make of it. And I'm not right. saying that any class is harder or easier, right? It's, like, again, but it's about the experience that you make for your degree, which I think is, like, really important. Especially oh, no, for yeah. those who, um, here, listening or reading, 
um, are just trying to get into school, right, and you don't know what you're doing or how you're doing it, just think about how the classes are going to shape your view and take things that actually you find interesting and uh, might, you know, set you up for a certain direction in the future, like open up different possibilities. Right. Absolutely. Learning fearlessly, right? Um, Ravenously, right? You're at university, like that in itself is a very special, unique experience experience in time where you have all these resources around you and your job is to learn right and and I love that you are you are pursuing your your particular interest in psychology which for me I was I was the opposite I was really into the behavioral side um I'm not a bio person at all um but yeah we so so it sounds great that that you know what what you're majoring in and do you know what your postgraduate plans are <laughs> sort of <laughs> really it's one of those like i told these the tomorrow problem uh-huh. was, uh, i think the olympics was full of them because like something would come up related to school planning etc cetera, etc cetera, and i'd just be like that's a tomorrow problem tomorrow problem i um, love it <laughs> I think that's actually really important and kind of healthy to do, actually, mm-hmm. um, is to recognize when something is, like, genuinely impending and you need to get it done and when, like, you need to direct your attention to something else, which is why I think I'm able to balance school and gymnastics, is that, you know, you're when you're in the gym, you're expected to do what is required of you in the gym. Right. They don't care that you have a paper due, so you have to switch gears and learn how to cater to that, right? Right. And when you're at school, no one cares that you have a competition coming up. So you need to be able to switch gears and be like, this is what my focus needs to be on and what I need to prioritize right now. Right. And that's a really, really good high performance tip, right? For for mm-hmm. anyone who is an athlete or uh, whether it's in sports or any kind of serious commitment like um, pursuit of music or, or uh, art or even being in business or pre-med or anything that demands a lot of focus and time, um, I think that's a really great strategy, the tomorrow problem. I'm going to write that down and use it myself. Um, because when <laughs> you're, when yeah, <laughs> tomorrow problem. Because, yeah, when you're juggling a million things, which um, that's life, and and you, you, you do that more and more as you get older. Um, it's so yes. important to be able to put on different hats and to be able to focus at the task at hand um, when you need to be doing that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think your training as a professional athlete certainly uh, helps in that way, right? That mm-hmm. that ability to focus, one-pointed focus, um, even though you're doing several things in parallel, like horizontally, when you're in those... Uh, modes of like this is gymnastics mode I'm training now it's like I'm able to tune out everything else right whoops hello can you hear me that was entirely my fault <laughs> I am so sorry no problem no problem the recording oh no it's fine it's fine I uh yeah still rolling still rolling everything's chill <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like I was saying, you know, being able to focus on different things um, that are happening in parallel. Right. Um, but then when you're in the gym, like you said, focus on training. That's your job when you're in the gym. Um, when you're in school, school is your job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's so, so great that you have this training that has helped you foster this um ability and skill um and really hone it down to you know down to science i'm sure um yeah so so i think that's a great high performance tip for anyone out there juggling multiple things at the same time um and you really are a a juggler literally and and figuratively (laughs) yeah so Talk to me about, I guess, the college experience um, overall, because I'm sure you have a a unique experience in that you are competing on the national team in rhythmic gymnastics, in addition to uh, uh, being a full-time student, right? So does that leave you time for student life? 
like social so it's i think mm-hmm. a lot about perspective right so yeah. i'm not like in any clubs that i you know um like if there's some kind of dance like free dance like workshop or something and i'm on campus like i'm gonna go because it's fun and why yeah um but i don't like i'm not in a club which of course like you know a lot of college and or university in america is like built on the experience of being in a club mm-hmm. um but I don't view it as a setback or anything bad or unfortunate. Um, I've definitely missed uh, quite a few, you know, say like, a, we don't really have spirit days, but like, you know, fun days or outings that like either my floor will plan um, to go out or like a school-wide situation. But I've also been able to attend a lot of things. They had mm-hmm. like a random winter, like they set up like a figure skating thing on like fake ice in one of Ooh. our like areas it was really fun but i wasn't supposed to go to that because i was supposed to fly out that day and then you know i got snowed out so i was like hey why not go like how did that like yes i have a rigorous structure in terms of like i have things by time right like i know you know nine o'clock i have this class ten o'clock i need to work on this paper you know Mm -hmm. one o'clock i eat like you know train and um but then also having a little bit of like hey like a window opened up, I can, you know, rearrange my schedule. Having that flexibility, I Mm -hmm. think is like super important. And like, yeah, I've gotten to experience a lot of things. Um, But again, you, I think with Muhammad Ali, he said, you know, it's about like prioritizing, like what are your priorities? Um, And -hmm. like long-term versus short-term gain. Like, yeah, maybe it would be fun for me to be here on Fridays and attend some kind of school, let's say dance or something. Mm -hmm. But is it really worth it? Because I got to compete at the world championships. Right. Right. Like it's, it's, it's what you choose to focus on. And like, if I chose to sit here and grovel and be like, I'm missing out on friends. Oh, then what am I doing? Why am I still doing gymnastics? Right. Like right. I had a moment, especially after that October I mentioned earlier, like where I sat down and I'm like, do I want to do this? Why do I want to do this? And ultimately it's because I love what I do. I love the experiences that I can give to people while I perform, as well as the experiences that I obtain from performing, from traveling, from all of the that's involved in life lessons too. And so like, yeah, I guess that's pretty much my answer. Amazing. <laughs> unique student life. And of course I have friends on campus who are all super supportive, super nice, yeah. like, absolutely have my back understands that I'm most of the time not on campus but are willing to like find time for me when I'm here and they will text me and support me and I'm I'm grateful for that that's beautiful to have that support system you know from from your friends and I'm sure also from your parents your family Um, let's talk about support systems as you you're training and going to school Mm mm-hmm so who would you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, so your support systems, who, who just help you manage it all? Well, my biggest support system is God, mm-hmm. um, to be fully transparent, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I rely on him, and I know that things are going to work out, even if I don't see how at the moment, or if other people don't believe in me, or don't see, and I think sometimes you just have to be able to prove yourself, right, because yeah. not everyone can see the end vision that you see. I mean, think about an artist, right? Right. Like sometimes, or like, like someone's like redecorating a house and they, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this and put this chair here and that wall out there. And then the like customer's like, I don't know, like maybe. (laughs) And then, you know, they're like, whatever. And they do it anyway. And then suddenly everyone's like, that is the most chic look I've ever seen. Like (laughs) a black wall. Who would have thought, right? Everyone's suddenly all over it. Yeah. So it's about keeping sight on that and having faith. And yeah, I think that's really important. Absolutely. Um, And then again, I talked about communication, super important. My parents, of course, um, give really, you know, good advice. I depend on them. My brother is amazing. My family is super sweet. My cats are good emotional support. Um, My friends, they both at Columbia and outside of Columbia are, um, you know, always there to like, listen to me and be like, Hey, if anyone can do it, you can do it. And sometimes I need to hear that. Absolutely. Um, and even like something that's like, you know, support online, like someone messaging me after world being like, Hey, you were, you know, so pleasant to watch because I saw, 
you know, your facial expressions and your hand gestures that just, you know, elevated your performance. And that was something I worked on. So I'm very glad you could see that, you know, like those messages, obviously, like make your day, but they also remind you of like, you know, that it's it's like that unseen support. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, coach, of course, is is like super important when the coach has trust in you Mm -hmm. um, and in your ability to execute and also to like manage and is willing to like listen to you um i think actually our like president caroline has been you know uh, showing more and more support for um just being like hey Vita, come on you got this like you know you can achieve you know things the sky's the limit yeah um so yeah it's just positive reinforcement i guess who you surround yourself with absolutely yeah um, and what about, so I was talking to a, uh, former U.S. national team rhythmic gymnast, um, and she was also at an Ivy League and, um, juggling, you know, school and training. Yeah. Yes, yes. And actually, yeah. I think she made the national team again, right, during, during her comeback. Yeah. What? Yes. And, and I did a whole interview with her, her comeback story. Yeah, she's um, awesome. she's awesome. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were talking back in 2019, um, she was telling me about how rhythmic, it's it's not an NCAA sport. Um, no. So juggling the training, it, it's like you don't get a lot of support from the university in the same way as an NCAA sport would, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how, how has that worked out for you? Um, what kind of support have you received from the university? And what are some things that you, you've had to work out on your own well it's leniency honestly i mean like at first you don't know who to reach out to then you 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 have to start somewhere so you start talking to one advisor says you know it's up to the professors then you talk to the professors and they're just like hey i'm cool with it you Mm -hmm. know here's what you can do here's how we can work together columbia is a very welcoming environment it's a very um at least to me, it feels that way. I feel very heard and I feel that my professors genuinely care about me and what I have to say and about my life, mm-hmm. um, even outside of school. Um, and so, so far I have been very fortunate to have professors who have all been very supportive. Um, who I was, you know, even right now, I usually, I like to introduce myself and be like, hi, I'm Evita. Here's my background, right? Mm-hmm. I might miss a few classes. If that's okay with you, what can I do to work on the attendance policy? Uh, my participation, you know, showing willingness um, to do additional work. Mm-hmm. And um, this time it didn't work out because I was already in Bulgaria. So, you know, I reached out in uh, well in advance, um, you know, mm-hmm. like a couple of weeks before school started and introduced myself, said, hi, like, sorry, I have to do this over email. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will, unfortunately, be gone for the first two weeks. But, uh, you know, let me know what I can do, how I can make this an easier experience for everyone involved. Um, and, and just things like that. So, yeah, just making sure that you take the initiative because – um, you know, maybe one like benefit to NCAA is like if the professor can't actually, I don't know how it works, but like in my case, um, the professor can say no, right? Right. They could just be like, no, you can't take my class because I need you to be here. And the way I've structured my classes so far has been oriented on what fits my schedule. Right. Right. And what can I make work? Um, and whose policies are the most lenient. So like, it, it just takes more work and more time. Um, pretty much. Absolutely. And to have that kind of maturity and responsibility at age 21 is, is incredible. You're 21, right? You're only 21. Uh, I'm speaking to you and it doesn't sound like an average 21 year old and you're not an average 21 year old, of course, but, um, you're so mature. Oh, he was so proud of himself. He got me a T-Rex. Oh uh, my like, god! It's cute. It's cute. And I mean, my brother and I do like little T Rex arms before we hug each other. So I thought, you know, maybe it was in that direction. No, oh. no. My dad goes, "Do you see what I got?" And I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "It's a dino, just like you, because oh. you're old." Oh my god! <laughs> I think in your sport. I was like, "Gee, thanks." No. God. But yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But you know what? It's like. That could mean different things, okay? It's like, you are old, old, quote-unquote old. I say that sarcastically. Um, because, you know, in Rhythmic, it it typically has, like, a kind of an age-prohibitive um, aspect to it, right? It's like the typical retirement age be, yeah. is... Used to be, used to be. 
Um, I mean, now we have, like, Virginia was 28. I think Cruz Castillo was 30 at the Olympics, so. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, see, it's like we are making positive direction towards increasing the longevity of the sport. And I think, so I think 21, that I don't see that as old, like, even in the sport. But also, you know, in life, um, I'm 24 and people still call me a baby um, because we're... That's a complete opposite experience. (laughs) (laughs) But you are so mature for your age, Evita. Um, and And I think you know, being a professional athlete has definitely forced you to, to grow up, you know, a lot faster, and, um, no, it's, like, you have a good head on your shoulders, and I say that, like, in, in so many ways, like, I know I've only spoken to you twice in my life, um, but it's, like, a lot of athletes, I feel like, in my observations, um, sports is like their their only thing or their main thing, right? And and it's difficult for a lot of athletes to develop an identity outside of their sport, just because of the sheer amount of time and energy it takes to succeed in their sport and go as far as um, as the Olympics. You know, like you mentioned earlier, it takes tremendous sacrifice to get to that point. What fascinates me about you is that you, you know, obviously rhythmic is is a huge, huge part of your life, right? Um, but it sounds like you're very grounded in other facets, facets of your identity as well. And you mentioned something earlier about you don't identify just as a gymnast right? It's like, that is a big part of you, of course. But, you know, just just speaking to you, it's like you have a, so many other interests. Um, you have you have friends outside the gym, you're you're doing school full time on top of training, you know, um, it's it's just like, I applaud you for for having that balance and finding that balance in your life. And and just having that maturity and foresight to realize that, you know, I am a gymnast, but I'm also, I'm a Vita first and foremost, right? Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I totally see you're more social oriented than you <laughs> <laughs> Right? I my friends always like, I'll get carried away in conversation talking about something, and I'll be like, yeah, this like major came out. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. No, I'm glad you can tell. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty obvious. That, and I loved, that's why I love telling stories of, of athletes and amazing people like yourself. Um, yeah, of course. So, you know, I think we were pretty thorough. Um, is there anything else you, you'd like to add to this? No, actually, this was a very pleasant conversation. I'm very glad to have had it. And again, I think this is also a moment of reflection. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I I very much enjoyed that. Me too. Me too. Always enjoy talking to you, Evita, and wishing you all the best. Please enjoy your third year um, of college. Doesn't it go by so fast? It's like... It does. You just blink and it's over. You blink and it's over. You know, same with Olympics, right? You blink and it's over. It's like, what just happened? You know, um... But you cherish those memories while you can. Try to live in the present, like you said. Um, and, yeah, I think I'm trying to see if I have any other questions. But um, I think we covered a lot. <laughs> Wonderful. Again, I can talk up a storm. So, like, if you ever want more questions, I'm here. I do have actually one anyone. more one more question. Um, so this past World Championships, you you got 10th place. You made the final. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, so what was that experience like in terms of... So it was you and Lily. You you guys both mm-hmm. represented USA. And she got 12th, which is also amazing. Um, so what yeah, was that sure. whole experience like of doing so well at Worlds? Um, you just did your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about... I think that the biggest takeaway I learned from this uh, experience uh th- this world specifically was to trust yourself mm-hmm. um because we did preparation we did very good preparation my coach had full faith in me which was very nice 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that at this point it was, I was ready. And I walked out honestly onto the carpet with a different, um, like it was fun. I genuinely enjoyed every moment on that carpet. That's and, awesome. you know, I would walk out, I don't know if you can see it in the videos, but the way I walk out, even though like the music was, super, it was like a pump me up song. <laughs> like, you, know, you, like, you like walk out and you're just like, okay, time to like have an energy exchange, right? Yeah. That's the way I like to view my performances. And it was, it was just a very uplifting experience. And like, of course, afterwards, like you have that elation. Mm-hmm. You also recognize there's, there's more work to be done, right? Because now it's like you move forward. There's, you're going to go through it again. Mm-hmm. going to go through a lot more. You just got to keep your focus, keep your concentration, appreciate it, mm-hmm. of course, but don't let that become your everything. Right. Right. Great perspective to have. Um, and I saw that video of you hugging Lily um, at the end of her routine. It was so sweet. Oh my gosh. I, I loved it. I like to watch. You don't really think during those moments, but it's nice when people like record um, like those moments. It's, right. It's, it, was, it was such a, I think that was like the highlight of the trip. <laughs> oh, totally. It was, it was so candid. It was just so sweet to see, see you guys supporting each other and, um, Lily, actually, it's a fun fact, um, she grew up in the, she grew up in the Bay, where I'm Canada. from, mm-hmm. or yeah, she, so Canada, but before that, even before that, she was in the SF Bay, and she trained at a gym, um, I didn't go to that gym, but anyway, it was like, I grew up hearing her name, and she's like a Bay Area native, and then she moved to Canada, and then now it's like, wow, then she went to the Olympics, and now she's, worlds you know world finalists almost world finalists right or no she made the final that was the final top all around around final so it's like yay bay area represent that's so cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so you know if you if you find yourself in california i would love to say hi um i would love yeah (laughs) all right all right avita i'll let you get back to your day uh Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I bet you have I classes. I'm going to go buy a pillow right now because oh I showed up to campus without a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. The last two days without a pillow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, pillows yeah, are important. I basically finished, I finished um, competing at Worlds. Uh-huh. Um, so I basically woke up 7 a.m. on Saturday, competed the all-around finals, um, and then 3 a.m., Sunday, we had a bus to the airport, flew out at 6 a.m., um, and then time travel happened, right? We had a layover <laughs> in Germany, made it back to the U.S. by, like, 11.30 U.S. time, and then I was supposed to get on the flight at 4.30 to New York, because I went to Chicago first, uh-huh. and so what happened was I exchanged, basically, like, my dad, like, pulled up to the airport, we, like, exchanged suitcases, uh-huh. um, he gave me my school one, I gave him my, like, gym stuff, <laughs> um, and then we, you know, hugged, said hi, um, spent a little bit of time together, him and my brother. And, uh, then I, I, I was dropped back off the airport, made it wow. to New York or to campus around like, let's say like 1130 PM. Cause there was some troubles with the plane. And uh, then I moved in uh-huh. just like, you know, put the bedding out and I was like, great. I don't have a pillow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Avita. Okay. Go get your pillow. Cause that's important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is so fun. This is so fun. All right. Have a great day. Talk again, Talk again. yes. All right, bye.